On today's episode of Tap Calf Transmissions, we're joined by our good friend Mark from the Templin Institute as we break down, examine, and review the first two episodes of the Halo TV show. Let's roll the intro. Halo there, everyone. Welcome to Tap Calf Transmissions, episode 101. I saw that look. You just, you disgust me. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I like that. I am your host for the night, Corey. Joining me, as always, we have Mr. Eckhart's Halo Needs a Battle Royale Ladder. How are you doing, Justin? I'm good. I'm good. I feel like my circle of friends gets smaller and smaller <laughs> <laughs> every time I talk about Halo needing a battle royale. And joining us for this Halo discussion tonight about the Halo show episodes one and two, we have the man behind the curtain, Mr. Mark from the Templin Institute. How are you doing, Mark? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us on such short notice to talk about. I believe you called this your favorite TV show of the century. Yeah, I think that's what I said. Yeah, this is what, right? Greatest sci-fi to ever exist, <laughs> I think was the exact words. Yeah, so for sure. We will be talking about both episodes one and two of the show tonight. Full spoilers. If you haven't seen it yet and intend to and you're worried about getting spoiled, uh, go and watch the episodes. Don't listen to this right now. There's some big things that happened. We will be talking about John Halo's face. Yes. They, yeah. they, they really... Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into that, is there any major news you want to cover for i guess either halo or star wars we did get an announcement uh from ewan mcgregor himself that the obi-wan show is pushed back two days to friday may 27th but we're getting two episodes out of that so mm. yeah so two episodes of that and then i didn't realize but then releases are going back to wednesday um mm, okay i didn't see that part. I, I yeah i so. stopped him talking before he finished yeah so yeah that's fine i mean two episodes first week's going to be fun i wonder why they did that whether like they thought two episodes would build hype better or like whether it was a scheduling issue hard to say really but something bad must have happened right because they'd previously announced that initial date right like i can't imagine it's a pretty big deal to change the date you're premiering your show after you've already announced one date yeah i really have no clue why did they just um, like was it like double scheduled with an episode of moon Knight or something and they decided in the 11th hour been. to change that yeah it may have been um because like we're at the point now where like every star wars show is running up against a marvel show yeah. uh like uh, what's that hawkeye ran up against book of boba fett i believe and i mm -hmm. from what i understand that ended up hurting hawkeye a little bit um so definitely in their best interest to avoid that Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, is there a, a show you're particularly looking forward to, Mark, of the Star Wars shows? Because I don't think we've spoken to you about the... <laughs> I was really looking forward to Book of Boba Fett, and now <laughs> I... Like, I mean, I think uh, Boba Fett was like a clearly like a filler show, and I yeah. don't think Kenobi is going to be that at all. So, yeah. I, I should be excited for Kenobi, I guess, but the Boba Fett scandal, if you want to call it that, really <laughs> just... It sapped my enthusiasm, so I mean, I'll watch it, but I'm not hyped anymore, really. Okay, I don't know, that might yeah. that might help because I went into this Halo show with very very low expectations. Well, before we get into Halo, before we get into Halo, sorry, I I, I just got to interrupt you really quick, really quick. Um, this is for podcast listeners. You saw probably this week that I've started releasing episodes on Monday. Um, that's because they require a little more editing now. So look for them Monday morning. I'm going to try to have them go live Monday morning for you guys' commute to work. Um, 
But yeah, I just wanted to, before I forgot, I wanted to make sure that you guys are up on the change. Hi guys, uh, Ewan McGregor here. They're actually going to go live on Friday, but there'll be two episodes <laughs> at once, and then back to the other schedule. There have been times. Yeah. Yeah, there was one time where like we had an episode on Thursday, and I just forgot to post it until like Wednesday, so... Yeah, and also as a reminder, we're reading. Is it? It's Dark Tide. Dark one, Tide. Right? Yeah, number one next week. And I don't think we have a guest yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to reach out to some people and see if anyone wants to join. I should probably do that soon because there's a book people need to read. But. I think it's a relatively short book. I think the Dark Tide books aren't that long. I might be thinking of Edge okay. of Victory again, but uh, but yeah, we're we're gonna try to get as many guests for the New Jedi Order as we can. Uh, mm-hmm. But Halo time, I guess. So. What were your guys' expectations going into the show, like before watching the first episode? Um, my expectations were—I'm not going to lie—they they were really low, um, just because I wasn't impressed by the trailers. And I, there is a distinction I've got to make too, because a lot of people have been saying, "Listen, you guys, you Halo fans, you just want the same story retold again. That would have sucked." And for me, that's not the thing at all. I'm not one who needs one clear continuity. I would have been completely fine with them like changing the continuity, changing the characters, changing, you know, even major aspects of the lore if the show had been good. And I wasn't getting a good vibe from the trailer, so my expectations going in, I'd say, were fairly low. Well, I mean, I'm pretty much the same boat. I wasn't paying too much attention to it. Um, I remember them announcing it at like an E3, probably early 2010s, I think. Um, So when it just didn't materialize, after all these names kept getting attached to it, Mm -hmm. first it was, you know, Peter Jackson and uh, District 9 guy, whose name I forgot. But that's what had me excited, and then that never happened. And then I think they brought in Steven Spielberg's name, and, I mean, it took, mm-hmm. you know, years and years after that. So by the time we actually got here, I was like, something's gone wrong with this. And I don't know, I, I wasn't hyped, and the, the trailers didn't really change that for me. Yeah, I mean, Halo shows have, like, in various forms been in the works for, you know, since, I think, 2000. And there's even, like, before Halo 2, I guess, is when it started, but serious efforts in, like, 2005 to 2010 to get... At that point, it was a movie uh, off the ground, and obviously no success there. There's, like, the famous story of um, Microsoft dress... I, I believe it was Microsoft dressing Master Chief up and sending him to movie studios with a script, um, which obviously never got made. Uh, you could even find some of the old Halo scripts online. I need um, a producer. Yeah, I need a producer. Um so it's been like, honestly, nearly two decades, the better part of two decades in the making for this show, which, you know, no pressure or anything. You'll get one shot at it, probably. I heard with relates to with regards to that pitch, rather, that Microsoft just went in. I mean, this is all hearsay, but from what I heard, Microsoft was really wanting to get this done, but didn't want to play ball with any of the studios like they mm-hmm. weren't taking any suggestions. They had their idea of what it had to be, and they refused to deviate from that. That's what kind of threw that off from what I heard. Yeah, no, I've heard that, too. And that's like the most kind of ironic thing for me that Microsoft was apparently playing hardball. Um, they obviously it's kind of interesting because if you look back even at halo books back in the days um back in the day rather the biggest thing on their cover was the xbox logo yeah um and they were clearly designed as tie-in material to help market and sell the game and to a greater extent the xbox console more than anything else uh obviously now they feel like halo can kind of be its own universe that any kind of at least it feels like any effects for the show positive effects for the show are kind of secondary i mean there's not even a tie-in with the show with the new video game that came out 
So for, I, I guess there's been some major change in that in that arena, but it is kind of weird that they seemingly wanted something so tied to canon, and now they kind of went in the opposite route, and the show's pretty much completely separate from everything else. Well, I can kind of see how that would end up the way it did, where mm-hmm. in like 2006 to I guess 2010, Halo was just such a big, relevant cultural touchstone that people who yeah. didn't play the game would still know who John Halo was. And mm-hmm. beyond that, it just stopped being as big of a thing. Like, it's not a big thing now. So a studio coming yeah. in saying, or like Microsoft coming in saying, okay, we're letting you make this into something that's going to make you billions of dollars. That's just not the case anymore. And mm-hmm. at that point, especially the idea of like video game movie tie-ins, it, they just were never good movies or TV mm-hmm. shows. You had like the Mario show and then Prince of Persia with Jake Gyllenhaal, which was like, probably the one of the one, better ones at the time one was like good. tomb raider was okay yeah and resident evil those were like okay yeah and like i think getting away from halo being as big as it was was almost necessary for a studio to take a chance on it properly mm-hmm. where they wouldn't have been felt or would have been strong-armed by microsoft into going about it a certain way so mm-hmm. well here's yeah, that, my that- question for you um, let's pretend it's back to the glory days of Halo, whenever that was. What does your ideal live-action Halo TV show or movie look like? Um, like, would you prefer one or the other, or like, and who's directing it, and what's the story? Uh, I'm I'm gonna give the boring answer. I think that like you can make an interesting story based around the events of kind of the video game and like the the kind of most famous era about Master Chief and all of those other things. Like, people are always like. You should have a, a Halo game starring ODSTs or starring this or starring that. I don't think that's practical. I think if you're making it, or sorry, a Halo movie rather, starring ODSTs or starring Marines, I don't think that's practical. I think if you have a movie, you want to have John Halo and then uh, starring in it. And like, I think personally that you're better off telling some variation of the kind of tried and true story. Now, obviously, you change things up. Uh, there's a lot I think you can do to kind of spice up and make things compelling for non-fans, but also new stuff for fans who already know the story. Um, uh, that's kind of how I think I would have preferred to do it. Uh, and I think movie form would have been cool, but uh, so a longer series definitely could have worked as well. Yeah, I don't know. I I think the best comparison right now for something with like an established universe of some kind where it doesn't necessarily have as big of an outside appeal really is arcane right now, the league of legends. Mm-hmm. So, which was great on its own. It didn't really tie itself into existing lore too much. It took a lot of, uh, it diverted from that a lot. And league doesn't have the same amount of established lore as halo does, but I feel like if it was established as a second continuity, which it seems like it is now with the show anyways, mm-hmm. that it, it still would have, uh, the opportunity to do some cool things. I do think that focusing more on the uh, time period of the games for a movie or show would have been a bit more interesting. Cause like, mm-hmm. I understand what they're trying to do with the episodes or with the show as it is right now, kind of showing like the darker side of the UNSC and focusing mm-hmm. a bit more on that, like internal human conflict while the covenant this looming threat, but th- that like not everyone really believes in yet. 
But mm-hmm. it seems like they're trying to do all of it so fast without building any of it up that they're losing out on having yeah. some clear, understandable conflict for people coming into the graphs where you could set it up as like the start of Halo 1, humans are fighting the Covenant, and then you introduce these epi- like these elements of, okay, that Spartan program was completely messed up when mm-hmm. you've spent more than five minutes with Master Chief doing one cool thing. Because like we start off exactly. with Master Chief having this he leaves the UNSC for two episodes yeah, and then like goes existential back. existential crisis immediately. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of something that's something that I've kind of been mentioning too. It's like, y- you do the whole, like Halo 4 and, you know, some of the Expanded Universe stuff did the deconstruction of the Spartan program and like how this is kind of fucked up that all these kids have been stolen and actually the UNSC is kind of a totalitarian government in a lot of ways. They've been in war for like decades and like things are not great. But like, the only reason that's interesting is because you've established like Master Chief as a hero. So when you kind of look behind the veil, it's interesting. In the show, it's like episode one. It's like you don't even know who Master Chief is. You don't know why he's legendary. He's at one kind of quick skirmish with the Covenant. And we hear a little bit about people talking about Spartans. But other than that, it's like it's too early for them to. It, it just seems like the show wants needs that interpersonal conflict to focus on. Rather than, like, my, I think, ideal Halo show would be more about kind of the war itself. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think the, uh, the plot of the first video game, it's been a while since I've played through it, but I think it's pretty cinematic on its own. Like, I think a direct mm-hmm. adaptation could have worked pretty well. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I am, I'm surprised this is what we ended up with because, um, as I'm sure we'll get into, all the changes they've made to the storyline... I guess I kind of get why they've done it, like for budgetary reasons or something, but it just doesn't make anything better. Yeah. Like, Mark, yeah. what's your what's your background with Halo lore, I guess? Like, do you read a bunch of the books or are you just games and that's uh, it? When it first came out, I I didn't have an Xbox, so I played my, my buddy's house and I beat that, that first campaign like many times. Right. Uh, with Halo 2, it was the same. I never played through Halo 3 by then. I had moved out or something and I didn't have an Xbox or access to one. And after that, I kind of fell off a cliff. But then when I started up uh, Templin Institute, I got back into it reading all the all the lore. And I love a lot of it, and then I hate a lot more. <laughs> so yeah. that's mm-hmm. my relationship with Halo. So I think I'm probably the only one who's actually... Because, Corey, you've never read any of the books, right? Yeah, I, I've just got uh, the campaigns of basically Halo 1 mm-hmm. through 3 and Halo Wars to go off of. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've kind of absorbed a lot of it through osmosis as well. Yeah, of course. But yeah. I'm still, like, I, I barely know any of the details. I, I know, like, mm-hmm. Dr. Halsey sucks. I know <laughs> uh, generally, like, broad strokes, but no real detail other than that. So the Fall of Reach is kind of, is the, a lot of people hold it as, like, the gold standard for Halo books. Um, I think it was also the very first one maybe the second one, but um, like that's a story that people kind of point to as one that would fit well for a movie. And, and I, I or or even better for, I think a long form TV show. And I agree it has been adapted in like a sort of emotion comic sense, but never in, even in like true animation and kind of the story of that is it starts off with the UNSC, you know, way before the covenant, even the people way before anyone knows it exists, they recruit the Spartans. The Spartans are originally meant to fight, you know, there's this insurrection in the in the uh, kind of humanity's 
uh, realm, which threatens to tear the the government apart. So the UNSC gets involved, and then <clears throat> it shows kind of the Spartans being abducted. John, as a young child, they go through the augmentation process. A ton of them die. Um, then, kind of out of nowhere, the Covenant attack, and things ramp up from there until the eventual fall of Reach, and then that kind of ties right into Halo CE. So it's almost like <clears throat> it almost like is a prequel to Halo CE in a way that sets up kind of some of the more character-driven stuff that you'd want in a show. It sets up the Spartans. It sets up who Halsey is, um, and obviously some of that lore has been made more difficult now because Halo Reach came and kind of ignored a lot of it um but it, it does seem to me like there was kind of a blueprint there that they could have followed if they would have want to i understand why you don't want to shackle your 100 million dollar show to a book that came out as a video game tie-in two decades ago but i think there were options at least that they could have used for inspiration how much of what's there is <clears throat> actually based on existing lore because I, I feel like some of the characters and locations are still mm-hmm things i've heard of like madrigal yeah. i think is a real like one of the colonies that the covenant did hit but and i think some yeah, of the characters and spartans are from other stuff but i'm not sure to what extent any of it really lines up yeah so madrigal is i believe a reference to one of bungie's original video games uh a myth maybe but yeah that was a planet that was established in the lore like most of it is things that have some like status in the lore mm-hmm. like Halsey of course is in the lore she's yep. not really exactly like she is in the show uh the Spartans of Silver Team as far as I know they don't they don't exist uh Chief had Blue Team instead uh but so like the the new Spartan from this episode the one with the with the fucked up crab arm he did exist albeit in a small extent in the lore uh so like a lot of little things like all the ships that you see come from the lore uh, like Admiral Hood was in this show. Uh, he obviously existed Halo 3. So it's it's a bit weird in that a lot of it is almost like window dressing in a way where like they take small things like either character names or like, you know, the sound of Chief Shields and then kind of have it imported into this new universe, which definitely works for some people, but not for others. Yeah, so the... So what was your, I guess, overall impression then? Like net positive or negative for either of you? So I, I feel like I, I'm kind of in the middle, but. Do you want to go first, Mark? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a very, very tentative net positive, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think that's only because I went in with such low expectations. I was expecting right. a disaster. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I guess like what struck me about this, this show so much is you know, you, you watch it and all these little things kind of stick out. And I just keep thinking to myself, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like a better show wouldn't have done that. Um, and it's yeah. just like it, it doesn't even really worth complaining about because it's not right. it's nothing major. But oh, collectively, it just feels like this is cheap or they didn't care. And which obviously isn't true with the amount of time and money going into this. But still, like the fact that all these characters are using um, everyone, all the uh, secessionists are using AK-47s. Which is like, like it's not a big deal, but it's absurd. Eighteen times scopes on their sniper rifle scopes. Yeah, it, it's you know you might as well. It's like if they made a you know a modern movie and everyone's using like flintlock pistols from the 16th century. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah they wouldn't do that in the Mandalorian, right? Because Star Wars is trying to create this world. There's no AK-47s in this world, so mm-hmm. the, even if it's cheaper to bring them in, they're not going to do it. Whereas in Halo, okay, we'll get away with it. And you know what? It all that little stuff builds up. Like, oh yeah, better show wouldn't have wouldn't have done this. They put in the extra work to to sell mm-hmm. you. But uh, 
Yeah, there's that yeah. there's a truck in the background too, right? I I don't know the model. It was like a Honda or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, it's a. Oh, I forget what it is, but yeah, it's clearly like an an old truck, even for for modern. Well, yeah. it's like a two thousands. I forget what it is, but yeah. And I don't know if this funny. was if this was an accurate quote, but I heard that one of the directors was like, "Oh yeah, we went through every frame, and there'll be an explanation as to why that truck is there." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like there's an explanation for the dude wearing jeans, Admiral Blue jeans, in the Mandalorian. Someone yeah. poked. Someone parked too close to the set. There's your explanation. <laughs> but so yeah, I guess my yeah. my overall appealing is this is fine, but a better show. Like this is not like top tier entertainment. Yeah. I guess. I'm just like I, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm a little heartbroken because you're right in that it's it's okay. It's fine. Like right now, I'd give it a six out of ten. It's certainly not unwatchable. Like I I kind of look forward to watching it every week, and it's what I expected based on the trailers too. Um, I think the trailers were very honest about what the show would be like, but it's also just like, this is the Halo show we've been waiting for 20 years and like the chances of us getting another one, like after this or an- another piece of live action media to this extent, I think is very, very low. So to me, it feels like they've kind of wasted their shot. Um, and it is a lot of little things, um, but also some big things for me. And you compare this show to something like the Mandalorian, which is like, obviously exceptionally high quality um like special effects everything whether you like the story or not halo is obviously just not quite there and some of the some of the effects really started to fall apart in episode one um but that's fine i i could have looked past that my biggest issue is that the show lacks any of the tone or like themes that i was hoping for for a halo tv show when i think of halo i think of like military science fiction I think of, like, the sense of wonder. Anyone who's played Halo CE for the first time, uh, at least before the game was ancient like it is now, kind of knows the feeling that you get when you go on the ring for the first time. Uh, like, that's what I was hoping for. Obviously, you, you can't bring me back to my childhood, but, like, you know, some sense of wonder. And, like, in this episode, the second episode, one thing they did immediately is, like, instead of, you know, the Halo ring being this mysterious thing they eventually discover, it's, like some random crazy dude knows that it's a weapon and like that's the big reveal of halo of halo one and that's kind of gone already you know what i mean um so i found there's been like a million little moments like that that i found extremely frustrating master chief kind of being one of the chosen few who can use foreigner technology rather than humans being reclaimers is another one that bothers me that might not bother a lot of people but it's kind of like a million little things like that i guess it's funny, uh, that sense of what it's like to step on to the Halo for the first time. This is probably a very bad comparison, but I think what, what struck me uh, hearing you talk about that. Remember Lost 2004, J.J. Abrams? Mm-hmm. Uh, first season, they're all on the beach, plane crash, they're on the beach. And then like towards the end of the season, they make the trek across the island to find the others mm-hmm. or to do something. And I remember just them walking into the island and you see how big it is and not knowing what's out there and it feeling mysterious but vast and oh. wondrous it, that scene from lost feels more halo than anything in this halo show hmm. at least in no, that you're totally sense. That, that's a really good comparison actually because there's also like the there's also like a sense of strangeness to it as well yeah and halo 3 managed to kind of recapture that when you go to the ark because it's like completely different and it's like it, it feels like you're somewhere kind of ancient um and like you know obviously you can't have a show based around looking at a skybox for an hour mm-hmm. but what they could have done is you know kind of did what halo ce does to a small extent you could have started it off with this interesting action-packed visceral uh fight against the covenant for even the first few episodes 
um, which we get a, the first 15 minutes of, the, of episode one I thought were really good. Um, and then you could have brought the mystery in with the halo ring, but it just feels like they're simplifying this to such a degree. And I, I had a tweet fuck fucking go on the Reddit front page, which wasn't fun because I had a lot of annoying people come and uh, comment on it and stuff. But I wrote, <clears throat> I generally don't know how, or sorry, I, d I generally don't know what made Microsoft sign off on this Halo show after a decade and a half of rejecting scripts. I'm not even saying it's objectively bad, you can decide for yourself, but I find the choice to go with a sci-fi slash CW style show with a completely different tone and story than the game's just baffling. Um, and I guess that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I get the changes need to be made, but what are we getting out of this that's better yeah. than what we started with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like there's so many interesting elements to the Halo universe that get revealed over the course of three show or the three games that like even if you change how they work and how they're revealed, totally. like I personally don't have a problem with uh, there being a human who is in the Covenant just to make it like you could use mm -hmm. that as an entry point to kind of explain to an audience who doesn't know anything about them, like what a Reclaimer is, what the Forerunners were, what the Covenant religion is about and why other humans wouldn't be in it but it's like any reveal they've had they've done a lot of them that the games haven't even gotten to in two decades they just seemed like they wanted to pack it all in as soon as possible and all of it yeah. ends up falling flat like the whole halo is a weapon could have come after they've introduced halo the whole like humans are reclaimers could have come later and are mm -hmm. important to the covenant religion for like being or i in the lore is it is it that they're like the Covenant want to eradicate the humans so that it's not as obvious that the prophets were fucking up? Or... <clears throat> so it's like, this is mostly like expanded universe lore stuff, yeah. but some of the prophets know that um, humans are reclaimers uh, because they, they go to a planet that they think is full of forerunner artifacts, a harvest, because it's like on the on this they've got a they've got a device that like tracks foreign artifacts and it's got the symbol all over the planet that shows like millions of foreign artifacts, but it's a human symbol for reclaimer. Um, so that's kind of the start of the holy war that the prophets kind of engineer that to hide their secret. But most of them do still believe that halos kind of will bring them on this great journey, uh, whatever that means. Like mm -hmm. the the prophets aren't just kind of suicidal for for the sake of being like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, the covenant doesn't think the halo rings are weapons right they think they're the means of salvation yeah that's right yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's weird that the guy who was on the covenant ship is able to pick up on that because i mean i don't get how he would think that if he's in the custody of people who think the opposite like it seems strange to me it's just like for me i just can't get behind any decision to show to talk about the halo ring before you show it because like that's half of what makes halo ce interesting you're on this you know colossal mega structure that like even in a world where you're fighting these weird aliens and you've got all these superpowers and stuff this ring is still you know a, a million times stranger than all of that and you don't know what it is you think it's a weapon um you're kind of you know the lore is that the, you know they jump on it accidentally obviously the kind of the books explain how cortana found the ring um but to kind of go in already knowing that the ring is there like what's the what's it going to be now like they're well we got to go to the ring and plant a bomb and blow it up or something it's like yeah. it's not compelling because those uh like the the object they find on madrigal is it looks like one of the kind of map station things almost so it's probably going to be how mm -hmm. they find halo how they get there 
And like that, yeah. that's a good mystery on itself. Like you don't need the guy to be like, oh, exactly. I'm going to lay out everything that you learn over the course of, I think Halo 1 and 2 from, uh, from the get-go. It, and yeah. And that's actually kind of what the, it's kind of what the books do too. Cortana finds an object. She knows it points somewhere. But, like, she doesn't know what's there. So when she's running from reach, those are the coordinates she puts in. That's, like, a very simplistic way of describing it. And, like, I think that's a million... Like, jumping off into the great unknown is a million times more interesting than, you know, stereotyped crazy man with PTSD, like, handled in the most blunt way possible because he's sniffing your helmet, like, tells you it's a weapon. You know what I mean? I am glad that we're not going to have to wait for someone to say, wait a minute, this cave isn't natural or whatever. <laughs> Cortana yeah, does that in the Halo one, so maybe that's what they're just trying to stay as far away from as possible. Help me out here, because I'm an idiot. Was the joke behind that line just the fact that it, this is obviously not natural at all? It's because they say it in Halo one. Yeah, in but Halo like, one, yeah. you're like halfway through the game, you're on Halo, and yeah. Cortana's like, "This doesn't seem like a natural formation about a, a cave system." It's like, yeah, obviously, yeah. the whole thing is artificial. Like, it's literally like you're driving up like a metal ramp. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, this cave doesn't look like a natural formation. Like, oh, is it really? <laughs> I knew the meme. I just didn't know the origin. So, okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, also, uh, Corey, I do want to mention, I, you had a good point. I was somebody, and I, I'll, I'll admit that I definitely um, was wrong on this. I thought that the human being in the covenant would be dumb. Um, I thought it was just like, oh, this is, if it ends up being Master Chief's fucking sister or something, like, I'm, I'm done with the show. It's Jill Halo. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be Master Chief's sister, but, uh, anyway, I, I thought that was dumb, but I actually really like the way that they've been pulling it off, and, like, not just because we almost got boobs in a Halo TV show, but because I, I think the actress is really great, and it's clear that she's kind of like an Arbiter-like figure, I think where she's kind of going to be how we see that the, the hierarchs are full of shit and she's just being used for their kind of greater purposes. Um, so yeah, I, I gotta admit, I didn't think I'd like her, but I do. I, I think the acting in the show is really good as well. I, I like chief. I don't like kind of how they're using him, but I like the actor. Um, I like, uh, Halsey. I like, uh, what's the, what's the baby Yoda he's protecting? What's her name again? Um, I can't remember, but I like her too. Yeah, I mean, nobody's bad, but going back to the 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 woman in the Covenant service, I mean, I, I don't hate it. I thought it would, I'd hate it much more, but I think it just muddles the already kind of loose world building they're putting into this, where yeah. mm -hmm. we keep being told the Covenant are in this big war, but we only see that brief scene in the first episode. Like, that's what strikes me is, like, where mm -hmm. is the war? Like, everyone seems pretty lackadaisical yep. about it. Um, so if we're trying to establish that the Covenant are genocidal maniacs, then to also throw in the fact they have this human just muddles that a bit like I, I if i was coming into this without any halo knowledge i'd be kind of confused that that is really frustrating kind of how they've used the covenant um it doesn't help that i think the first battle was a little bit sloppy they did a good job in like the initial i think engagement where the covenant kind of come out of the woods and just slaughter those kids that was shocking because i wasn't expecting that level of violence in the show but um yeah, it's like we know there's a big war. We're getting like conflicting information. The colonies don't know about it, which is fine because obviously the UNSC is trying to hide it. Uh, that lady in today's episode said she lost her parents when she was younger. But like the Covenant have been so abstract now. All we've seen is like a group of 10 elites. We don't even know that there's other members of the Covenant. We don't really know what the Covenant are. Um, 
I would have liked to see kind of even just like, I don't know, warships glassing a city or something. Just like... If in the first episode, kind of, Madrigal had ended up being glassed, I feel like that would have helped a lot of these issues. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what Corey said. It feels like they're trying to run through all of these concepts that like Halo 4 got to after the series was 15 years old or like things that the series hasn't even got to yet when like you need to kind of establish your bases first. Yeah, like the that kind of I I actually have been enjoying the show overall, but mm-hmm. I guess my biggest issue with it is I'm just not sure who it's really for because mm-hmm. like the changes and the way that they're done are not going to appeal to a lot of like super mega fans that are really into the lore, which is understandable. I can understand that with Star Wars as well, that mm-hmm. like you need to make some changes to be able to make it palatable, understandable, something that new fans can jump into. But the way they're dumping all this information, the way they also seem to be relying on uh, outside information for any of it to make sense, because they just don't want mm-hmm. to explain some of the basic concepts while just throwing important information about like what Halo is in the middle of a conversation when you haven't even seen it yet. So if you're coming in and this is your first Halo experience, you don't know what a Halo is, that guy talking about them as a reference is like your first idea of what that might be and what the title of the show is referring to. And I I just don't know who is really benefiting from that the most or who it's going to appeal to. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, and I think like The Mandalorian... I know I keep bringing this show up, but I do think the Mandalorian is kind of the gold standard for like fandom television. Um, Like I I think that show kind of walks the line pretty good where like there's a lot in the Mandalorian for kind of hardcore fans to get or not even hardcore fans, but people fans who are engaged like my parents watching the Mandalorian. They're going to have questions like they're probably not going to understand it like immediately where the timeline takes place when Luke shows up. They're going to be a little bit confused, but like the show tells a compelling story without kind of having to, to sacrifice. Obviously that show doesn't need as much world building because it is a very personal story. Um, but I, I guess I would have liked to see just like if, if it feels like the show is made by people who like the idea of halo, but like thought it was maybe too nerdy or like not like palatable enough for the average fan. Um, which is maybe a, maybe a kind of harsh and, unfair way to to characterize it but that's kind of how i felt since the trailers to be honest well that's the worst thing about the man or uh, the worst thing about the halo show is that it exists in the same world as uh mm-hmm. the mandalorian uh like mm-hmm. the same year I, I guess if it comes out this year when is mandalorian out probably december yeah yeah so that these shows are both on tv at relatively the same time uh it doesn't come off well for halo no i i think you're right there's I mean, there's elements like... and moments where like it it does kind of capture the Halo feel. I think like looking mm-hmm. at the scene on Reach when they're first showing it. I think uh, like totally. I really like that scene, and I do like a lot of the characters. Just the way that they're choosing to, they just needed to slow down. I think don't don't Agreed. do as much as they're seeming to try to do because we we don't need uh. Like set pick whether you want to have the UNSC or the Covenant set up as the big threat right now because you open up the show with five minutes of the insurrectionist talking about how the UNSC is what sucks, but then the first thing you see is the audience of the UNSC is them having to come in and save the insurrectionists, which mm-hmm. you'd think is going to be setting up for something later, but then for the rest of the next two episodes, you have to focus on okay, why do we care about the Covenant now and what are the Covenant? What is the UNSC? 
rather yep. than choosing which of those to do now and which of them might be a plot for season two instead. Yeah, like the lesser evil thing. Like, you know, the UNSC sucks, but like, they're not genociding us. <laughs> not yet. I think they got a little bit better with that on explaining like why Master Chief was going back to the UNSC because like he's found this information it's important that he get back and those are the only people with the resources to handle mm -hmm. it like I think the second half of episode two was a lot stronger for me than the other than the rest of the show so far and but I just don't see how he goes back to the UNSC and says hey there's this threat and uh mm -hmm. suddenly everything's forgiven between all of them and like hey what about that person we told you to kill where's she at yeah. sorry not gonna tell you like it, it just seems like it's setting up a lot more than it's gonna be able to pay off properly in a reasonable amount of time when there's so much else that they need to focus on i think that's the tendency of modern television star trek's been doing the same thing where they they want so many shocking controversial moments yeah. They just throw them in with no regard of how you move on from that, you know? Like, in Star Trek, there's, like, a mutiny in, like, the first few episodes from your lead character. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you got to build on that and constantly escalate things to the point where it's just absurd. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, that's a good point as well, where it's, like, it's just, it feels like the conflict's all wrong to me. Like, when you play Halos 1 through 3... I think part of the reason why it is kind of interesting is because humanity feels like they're on the they're on the brink they're on the brink maybe less so in Halo One because that the the game doesn't go into world building that much really other than like what's going on in your immediate vicinity but like I really like the the idea in Halo Two and Three that like the Covenant like it's 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 essentially game over like humanity's got one planet left <laughs> and they could do something interesting with that when Reach eventually falls which I suspect it will and the show could have like its red wedding moment. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I also agree with you, Corey. Sorry, go ahead. No, you can you can agree with me all you want. I was gonna say I agree with you. I actually really like the last fifteen minutes of the of the show. Um, I like the idea that Master Chief gets some really difficult information, and like the first thing he's got to do is go back to Mom, and like go back to Halsey, and like Soren kind of calls him on that. Um, Hidden Xperia actually had a really good point though, like. I understand why people like Chief taking his armor off, but I think that whole scene would have been a lot more interesting if Chief would have been, like, unwilling to take his helmet off on the space station to, like, compare him to Soren, who's, like, out there kind of living as a free man, and Chief's there, like, in his full fucking armor looking like, like, a, like a nerd the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, the Spartans are supposed to be... Uh, like the implication is supposed to be that like Spartans are so controlled and they like Soren was the one who could break free and Chief is struggling mm -hmm. with this in some way. But like when the first things we see Chief do are basically ignore the orders and do whatever the hell he wants, then it's harder mm -hmm. to set that up as a conflict. Yeah, and I don't like how they kind of took the the inhibitor chip approach too, where it's like Chief is doing this because the it seems like it's related to the artifact, you know, went off and unlocked something in him i just think it's more interesting to see a soldier kind of naturally break his conditioning which is yeah. like that's why like I, I i don't love halo 4 but i do think the whole cortana thing is interesting because we've seen like you get the payoff of chief actually bonding with somebody and like he breaks his condition th because he cares for his friend i think that's a million times more interesting than he breaks his condition because the magical halo device like unlocks his inner chakras or some shit <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think about the uh the face reveal mark 
uh it was cheap and not earned um it was it was towards the end of the episode right no it was like two-thirds it was in like, it wasn't even yeah, that the end yeah. yeah um i don't know it, it didn't mean much to me i didn't think it was necessary uh it, it just felt like a cheap kind of move right like mm-hmm. uh, I've, i mean to be honest though i think the spartans never take off their armor thing is kind of stupid to begin with yeah with mandalorians if it's some weird religious custom sure but like i mean this guy's in like the army right it's not like they're gonna be like never <laughs> yeah. take your armor off don't look after your equipment don't replace your socks because it's that that's not important it'd be the opposite <laughs> they'd be like no you're gonna be taking that shit off whenever you're back so we can look after it and yeah yeah, like, I actually, I don't mind that it happens or that it ends up being a cheat moment. I do mind that it gets, like, presented as if it's not a cheat, like, as if it is this big mm-hmm. reveal that's happening, which, like, mm-hmm. contextually out of universe, this is the first time we're seeing Master Chief's face after years of people trying to reposition their camera <laughs> in forge mode or whatever to look inside <laughs> the model and see what it looks like. But in the show, they are, like, talking about it as if it's this big thing that's happening uh, or like the showrunners are presenting it that way, and then he's it's, spending the entire episode with his helmet off. Anyways, wait two, two, three seasons, then do it. Let be the big moment you want. It's almost like a parody. Like if somebody made a parody Halo show, I think it would have had Master Chief like taking his helmet off in the first five minutes, kind of like this, because it's just like it is kind of a cheap way to get Halo fans like talking about it. Um, and you're right, like Master Chief's face, it it's. Like, Mark is completely right that it's, like, it's stupid and, like, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But it's also, like, it's a thing, like, in the, in the, uni- like, not even in the, in the fictional universe. Like, it's a thing in the fandom and in the real world universe and just in kind of gaming. It's, like, Master Chief's face is, like, this sacred thing. I remember when the Halo 3 beta came out, they actually had a little model uh, <laughs> under Master Chief's face, like, under his helmet. And, of course, people found that, that shit out immediately. Yeah. Uh, it was just, like, a random face. It wasn't meant for anything. It was probably just, like, attached to, to some model they used for his body. But, like, it just it just feels like they couldn't help themselves almost. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and and, and that, the games that... did a pretty good job of, uh, like, even though he never takes his helmet off, that seems reasonable for the situations he's in. Uh, from my yeah. memory, at least, in the first three games, you're never seeing... Uh, John just like hanging out at the beach still wearing his helmet or like off duty he's always in the thick of combat where yeah you don't take off your helmet yeah and in the books like there's a book that's about the time and like that he spends in Halo C and he does take a shower at one point for example so it's not like he's on like he does meet with his superiors with his helmet off so it's it is more of kind of a, a an out of universe thing for fans and we do get like a brief shot of his eyes at the end of Halo 4 if you beat it on Legendary but it's just like it just feels like they're it, I, I get it as well because maybe like joe who's never heard of halo doesn't want to watch a show where you look at a green super soldier the whole time and the actor they got is really handsome so like yeah and in a world where not? the mandalorian doesn't exist yeah. I, I, that makes sense to <laughs> yeah, me but that's a good point yeah well yeah. i can i, I can is... understand not wanting to have those comparisons with the mandalorian to like get it out of the way earlier so it's not mm-hmm. here's super soldier with helmet on versus super soldier with helmet on maybe just we don't want to be compared with this show that had a much higher budget than us but it's lame to let star wars dictate what is what a halo show is like you know yeah definitely well it's funny because the mandalorian the reports and you know take 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 them as you will, were 10 million an episode for Halo. And The Mandalorian came in at like 15 million an episode. It was like 100 million for season one, apparently. So, uh, I mean, I think the big difference is like 
you've you've also got probably they probably doesn't count the gajillion dollars took to develop develop the volume as well which they now own and (laughs) they could do whatever they want with and charge people a million dollars to use but yeah i what's the deal with the ai development in universe has that always involved humans in some way or is the idea that it's like a, a broken human kind of a new so there. the idea was essentially that to make it, the the old Halo games had two types of AI smart or the two the, the the other Halo timeline has smart AI and dumb AI. Dumb AI are kind of exactly what you'd expect, just really advanced machines. They're still perfectly capable. Like that's what you'd use for most systems. Then most smart AI are built off a, usually like a it's like a scan of someone's brain rather than like an entire uh, like Cortana's got like. Um, like Neo from the Matrix, and or uh, sorry, Halsey's got like Neo from the Matrix in her closet, um, and like in universe cloning is illegal, and people kind of ripped me on Twitter because I, I I said it was different, but cloning was illegal, but Cortana wasn't some secret thing that only Halsey knew about. She was kind of producing it at the request of Oni, which is like the big secret uh, organization in the UNSC. Well, because there was multiple AI, right? Like it wasn't just Cortana, yep. right? Like ships had them and maybe other Spartans had them. Is that right? Most ships and things would have used like dumb AI because oh, okay. they're perfectly capable. It's just like the smart AI are the ones that are like capable of of like really advanced learning and stuff. And they've got the, f- famously, they've got the seven year lifespan where they, after seven years, typically they like think themselves to death, mm. um, which is rampancy. That's what kind of Cortana is dealing with in Halo 3. Yeah, there's a tendency four, in sorry. modern shows where everything that's kind of a core tenant of the mythos has to be elevated to this this huge mm-hmm. um uh I don't just to, it's to different. Heights, yeah. yeah. So, you yeah. know, Cortana is no longer just an AI that the UNSC has a few of that they use for mm-hmm. important stuff. No, Cortana is the center of all this and it's a big secret and there's all this drama concerning her development. John isn't just one Spartan who happened to be mm-hmm in the right place at the right time. Now he's the chosen one and, and all this Giga stuff. Chad of the Giga Chads. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it feels, it makes the world feel smaller, you know? Um, yeah. Even the, what's the name of the captain and uh, his keys. Keys. Yeah. Keys is yeah, just a random big problem with that too. captain who happened to be in control of the ship. He's now a part of the same with his daughter. Like everyone is always a part of the storyline from the moment mm-hmm. it started. And it revolves around that. I find that so lame. I think that Halo kind of fucked that up in a while too when it made Miranda Keys, who's like Keys' daughter, and she's the one in Halo 2 and 3. She's the product of Keys and Halsey, so she's Halsey's daughter as well. Oh, really? Um, and the show's yeah. actually had that too. It's only It only made that clearer this episode where she referred to mom. Yeah. Um, but so like, and Cortana is also based off Halsey as well. So Cortana is like kind of a mini Halsey running around, and even in the games too. So. I mean, it, it is so like most of that stuff's the same. My problem is like they, they had to throw the extra bit of conflict in there. Like now there's a big conflict between Parangowski and uh, and Halsey where it's like we've already got a million stories to tell. Do we really need that? Plus the new insurrectionist uh, like butcher that was introduced in this episode. You know what I mean? Um, Sagrera. Yeah. This feels like a lot. I think those kind of connections are just an excuse for melodrama, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like exactly. if uh, Miranda Keys had just been a captain who doesn't appear in the show because she's off doing something, mm-hmm. that, and uh, the person working on the Xeno technology is is somebody completely different, you don't lose anything except the potential no. to have a character go, "No, Dad, I'm not fighting your wars anymore." 
Yep, exactly. Yeah, I'm hoping we get, like, it doesn't seem like they're including Sergeant Johnson as a character yet, but I'm hoping that does happen once uh, we actually get more of the Human Covenant War stuff. Last scene but, of the first season is going to be him showing up. It's I actually just going to be the cutscene from Halo 3. Like, not even recreated in live action, just <laughs> 2006 it's, graphics. It's not even like the MCC version. It's like 480p <laughs> on... You'll be able to press a button on your remote to switch between the <laughs> MCC and original, just like just you can the, in the game. They, they blew all their budget. They couldn't even afford a capture card. It's just a dude with a cell phone in front of a CRT. <laughs> I forgot to remove their cursor so you can still see it just kind of on the screen. Shit, shit, shit. So am I wrong on this? Or it, like the intention with Cortana is that she's going to be what Halsey thinks keeps Chief in line now. Like that mm-hmm. seems to be her intended plot purpose, mm-hmm. which means like... Or at least that's her stated purpose. Yeah. I don't know whether Halsey actually thinks that because Halsey's always supposed to be kind of like a monster with like maternal instincts. You know what I mean? I don't know whether she would actually want to wipe Chief's personality. Yeah, like I'd I'd hate for there after all of this other stuff that's been set up as conflicts we'll need to deal with, like having another con- conflict line that we need to draw on our uh, Charlie mm. whiteboard from uh, "It's Always Sunny" to be like <laughs> Chief and Cortana are now two opposing forces that we have to worry about. Mm. Like there, one of the things that I was really looking forward to most was the Chief Cortana banter i yeah. guess so having cortana be turned into kind of like a a scary background force who's like trying whose purpose Nibbling is to enforce your consciousness yeah like unsc the unsc your own will on master chief like if that ends up being what she's for instead of making uh fun remarks about natural formations then that's going to be a bit disappointing for me i think yeah i i agree because the more of these little kind of like like melodrama conflicts you have this isn't a show with an infinite runtime like the more of those you have the less time you have to tell an interesting you know space opera story like at least in my opinion um if you're spending half an episode dealing with what's going on on magical for some reason they want to keep us there you're spending half the episode or a quarter of the episode dealing with that you're spending a quarter of the episode dealing with you know um, Halsey's being hunted by the UNSC and Chief's wondering where his parents are and Chief's also wondering whether he's better than other humans. It's like, you're leaving very little time for human covenant stuff. You know, I, I hate to bring Star Trek into this, but uh, in the 90s, that was a no, directive from Roddenberry. There was no melodrama on the Enterprise or whatever. And I think it worked so well for that kind of storytelling where you're dealing with big mm-hmm. ideas and big concepts. You know, you have a, an episode of Star Trek in the 90s where something bad happens and everyone deals with it professionally. And they're like, well, we will deal with this later, but now we got to get a job done. And then you got yep. modern Trek and now Halo, where it's like something bad happens. So people are yelling at each other and there's crises of faith and, and yeah. Healing circles. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it gives me a headache. It's like, I can't think of one pair of characters who isn't really working at cross purposes yet. Like, even the Spartans, like, yeah. Cracks are showing. Yeah, like maybe the. Uh, the rest of half of the Spartan team is getting on okay with each other, but there's been like <laughs> five minutes total with all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they keep their helmet on more than Chief, so it's kind of hard to know who's who. <laughs> <laughs> I think two of them are girls and there's a guy. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when they're on the ship or whatever, heading to the to the asteroid field, there's 
all of them have their helmets off. But like, I'm not sure what that's setting up for yet. Maybe I just forgotten they've already resolved it. But it seems like when he's on his way out, Chief is going to have to deal with them unless he links up with them. But... I did kind of like uh, in episode one where Halsey's getting these orders from the UNSC and she, she basically just tells the Spartans, like, listen, just don't let anyone hurt Chief. Uh, so she's kind of like doing, her, she's always kind of doing her own thing. Um, so that, that's okay. But yeah, it is like, it's too much. You're right. Everyone's working against each other and it's just, it's not like bring that in at some point, like over time, but you've got to establish the universe first and you got to set up. Cause like getting your feelings hurt, not great. Like earth being glassed a little bit worse. <laughs> yeah. The halo rings firing probably even worse. And yeah. more interesting. I think, and this is a bit of a statement on Halo as a whole, not just the show, but Halo started off, I think, leaning more towards the um, grounded military science fiction aspect compared to the more grandiose space opera side of things. Mm -hmm. But I think it balanced those two sides pretty well. But then mm -hmm. over the course of the game, starting with 4 especially, they get more and more towards the grandiose space opera stuff. And I don't know, I'm sure some people like that, but to me, it just, it feels like we're losing the, the grounded realism that it started off with. And actually a good example mm -hmm. of that is, uh, I'm going into my political stuff, but in the organization of the UNSC, they included uh, joint combatant commands, which is this thing that the U.S. military uses. And it's just cool that they threw that in there, but mm -hmm. they keep trying to bring it in, except the new writers don't actually understand what that means. So mm -hmm. yeah. you can see these concepts that used to be very original and, and clearly defined, be turned into generic crap because the new writers don't know what what they're talking about and uh we're already starting to see it in the show so eh, it doesn't bear i actually hold. think you'd really like the like older books mark oh, yeah. um because they are like they are pure military sci-fi like any really good military sci-fi is going to be like half of it is going to essentially be propaganda to join the military in real life yeah and like <laughs> when you're reading halo you're like maybe being a Marine would be kind of sick. <laughs> like maybe there is a brotherhood in arms that would be kind of sick. Like, and you know, that that's, that's military sci-fi. That's what the first few books are. And the tone from the first, cause you're, you're right that the tone does dr dramatically kind of change by the time you get to Halo three, but it still manages, I think to keep the, the roots. Well, you always got a level where you're fighting, you know, uh, with alongside Marines where you're using weapons, like it, nothing gets too crazy. Although you're going to these crazy locations. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and the contrast makes it work. These are grounded real people exactly. in this fantastical situation. Yeah. And that's like why when you get to Halo, like Halo four and five and, and infinite, I think reined it back. It almost gets to the point of like, like it's, it's fantasy. It's, it's space fantasy. Like it's crossing space fantasy and science fiction. You lose the kind of military science fiction, which is, you know, yeah. Halo is, was essentially like Starship Troopers and, you know, it's it's like a pulpy sci-fi series, but it's mm -hmm. it's not it's not high fiction or anything. I don't think anyone ever pretends it to be, but it's still really enjoyable. Yeah, I, I do think that uh, even compared to some of the other shows we've been comparing it to or even compared to other Marvel shows for the budget it has, like it's 10 million per episode, I think compared to a lot of the other, even just like the Marvel shows that take place on Earth and have some special effects. Those are like mm -hmm. 15 million. Probably more of that goes to bigger name cast. But mm -hmm. I do actually think that overall, the effects have been really good for a show that probably needs to rely on it a lot more than mm -hmm. others do just because of the type of setting it is. The fact that so many of the major characters are going to be 
aliens and mm-hmm. any fight scene has to be pretty heavily cgi with the people they're fighting so it's, i was actually pretty, but pretty strong i think yeah mm-hmm. like um, there's yeah. there's some scenes especially when it's farther back and you can see elites at like a distance i think that's where it's kind of weakest but even then it's not so bad that i'm like drawn out of it well it's funny because the mandalorian has already heightened things across the board it's like it's raised the bar uh in the second episode when they're in the um the dropship heading towards that asteroid base and you can see they don't have that technology where they're in the um the the giant ball of of screens so they're just like flashing lights on them that doesn't quite match up to what you're seeing outside the ship i mean that's something you notice now that you wouldn't have noticed a while ago Um, yeah the interior of the asteroid too i I thought especially like compared to what would have been in the mandalorian looked looked really cheap but I, I agree that, like, the special effects, especially, like, the cities have been really great. Um, and the profits. The, unbelievable on the, the profits. profits. I think yeah. they look extraordinarily yeah. good. Actually, I, I think, think those are puppets. Star Wars. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe they're puppets. Uh, but, yeah, no, I agree. They look phenomenal. The Elite, I thought, with this helmet off, I don't like how they look in armor so much. They're fine. But with this helmet off in this recent episode, I thought it looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the spaceships are, are awesome, um, especially because, like, they're pulling some strange ones from the lore as well. Uh, like not just the, the the stalwart class, which is the frigate from Halo Two. That's what they've been in this this episode. But like other ships, uh, like it, it's just I, I really like that as a, as a ship guy. I'll watch it for that reason alone. Probably. What were some of the deeper canon ones they brought out? Uh, there's the Halberd Destroyer, okay, which is yeah, the I saw that one. you've seen that one a couple of times. Uh, I'm pretty sure in episode one. I haven't seen anybody talk about it or like a really high definition screenshot, but I think there's a Prowler. Um, docked on the on reach, like when the big gun is firing, you can see a ship on the ground that I think is a prowler. Um, the Chevy Tahoe that was a pretty Chevy cool. Tahoe. <laughs> um, not a else? ship, but oh, that minecart thing was oh, it was okay. But that, that one section yeah. where it flies off and then deploys the thing halfway <laughs> into the air and then locks onto the wire like, how is that safe for anybody? Yeah. I kind of like that we're in a sci-fi that's not like quite as advanced as Star Wars for the people. So mm-hmm. you do have some of this like jankier stuff for groups that aren't the like the main human group. Whereas like I would never touch that in a million years. But it's kind of <laughs> just what you got to do if you want to exist in space right now. I don't think they mm-hmm. needed to do that. I think they could have just had a better like they made a roller coaster when they needed a public transit system. And that's not OK. The rubble, which is the name of that asteroid collection actually appears in in an old halo book as well it was in coal protocol um and at that point it's like after the the coal protocol is the idea that you you nuke your ship's computer if the covenant are about to capture it so they don't find their way back to earth right but anyway um there's actually a few covenant like a few because the the jackals a lot of them are essentially just like pirates they don't really give a shit about the war so there's actually a few of them living there as well so it's kind of cool that like they've they have taken a place that's from the books and it's it's pretty much described in exactly the same way it's like an insurrectionist hotbed and stuff Um, do they describe it as a hand basket covering between asteroids when you're trying to travel i'm not sure i don't remember if that's in there or not (laughs) it might be (laughs) it might be i'm just yeah it's, it's the special effects they're they're good man uh there's also like there's a lot of little thing little details too like the, the there's a lot of little spaceships hiding on high charity like there's a CPV is it CPV Corvette I forgot the designation and but. the supercarrier or one of the bigger carrier the assault carrier was in the latest one I saw yeah. that one yeah that was pretty cool yeah 
Yeah, yeah. there's even one inside High Charity somehow flying around, which I don't I don't know if it fits, but that's fine. <laughs> I feel like I I feel like the show what it's doing. If I were to describe were to describe all of the main points that they've hit, and if I were doing that as like a recap of all of season one or all of season two, like if they had taken that time to do it, I feel like I'd be coming away with a lot more positive of an opinion. Like the fact mm-hmm. that they were, they were willing to like examine, well, the UNSC are kind of the good guys here, but are they really the good guys getting into the Dr. Halsey stuff? Like, I, I feel like I'd have a positive impression of the show if it were doing it over a longer period of time. And that's kind of just what yeah. it comes down to me. There's a lot in this that I really do like, but mm-hmm. it just, it's turning into a, blenderized version of all these details too fast yeah i think that's a great point and i will say too like there's still what seven episodes left maybe Uh, i can't remember if it's nine it's nine and it seems like we've seen most of it this is kind of a thing i say every time but it does seem like we've seen most of what's in the trailers so you know they could go unpredictable ways this season there's still lots of the episodes have been long as well which i quite like this last one was about 55 minutes same with the first one i believe there's still lots of story for them to tell. Um, I, I hope they rein it in a little bit uh, and kind of get a bit more focused, but it could end up being something good. And season two has also been confirmed. I was a little surprised by that for watching the first episode. But uh, yeah, there, there's definitely potential. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Mark? Uh, I mean, nothing that we haven't already said before. I just, Halo, even if it's a little past its prime, I think deserved a bit better than this. Um, mm-hmm. I think the show is good, but it's... You know, it's in a world where there's a lot of good shows, and the fact that we didn't get you know a big Halo blockbuster movie um, that launches maybe a cinematic universe or something is a missed opportunity. So yeah, I, sure. I got nothing against the show. I think it's fine, um, but I, I think it maybe the Halo franchise could have done better and maybe deserved better. There's like an ultimate, an alternate timeline where the Halo show is like a little bit better, and Halo Infinite is getting content, <laughs> and everything else is the same. Yep. And I wouldn't. That's another thing that we haven't talked about. Um, the Halo show, which has been in progress in some form for 15 years, launched months after the billion-dollar game, $500 million game. There's not a single crossover tie-in in either piece of media, and that is just, like, mind-blowing to me. Yeah, like There's a, not even that's... a message when you log on in Halo Infinite. Like, is that COVID-related, or, like, how do they not do a tie-in? Like, that seems like such a missed opportunity. I mean, League of Legends had that with Arcane, right? Yeah, they had, like, skins for all the Mm -hmm. characters who were in the show. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, like, Halo's about to launch at Season 2, six months after Season 1. And it's, like, you know, I just don't understand why they wouldn't have that be, you know, the silver timeline. Or they have these fracture events, which in-universe, or in the game, are explicitly non-canon so you could have had a fracture event silver timeline even having like the the silver team logo or some simple stuff it just seems like you've got these two what you hope to be giants of video gaming and tv you know cross them over for god's sakes <laughs> yeah it, it has to be something like behind the scenes that we're not privy mm-hmm. to like yeah maybe the show sure. was just not talking to 343 as much as the lead on um something like that or one thing the last thing i wanted to mention is music it's a little disappointing I'm kind of wondering whether there's some legal entanglements here because I know that there have been there's been some stuff going on with Marty O'Donnell and how they've been using his music and they own royalties and stuff. Um, Marty O'Donnell's the composer. For those listening who don't know, alongside um, oh, what's the other guy's name? Um, 
Anyway, he's one of the composers. There is some legal trouble, so I'm kind of wondering whether they're limited in the amount of Halo music they can use during the show because they've the Halo music is really well loved. So it's kind of strange they've only used the monk chant like occasionally, but other than that, not much. Yeah, I think it's that modern trend, and I I hate it because they did that with the A Team remake where they they only bring in the uh, the iconic theme and the credits. Mm-hmm. There's like a bunch of movies. Robocop is like that. They had Robocop, awesome theme song, only in the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And instead, we just get this bland, generic crap that you forget immediately after hearing. Like the Halo intro music for the show is, God, I I couldn't tell you what that sounds like. It's not it's not good. And the intro itself is visually cool. So like it's it's so bad that I'm wondering like whether they had the show scored and then like legal was like this isn't gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put um, it past it. It's uh, and they've already burned through their first showrunner, right? Yeah, it's new showrunners for season two. Yeah. Yeah. I think there were two for... uh, Yeah. So, fingers crossed. You know, I I, I don't think either of us want to dislike the show. We've all kind of acknowledged as well that it's not unwatchable or anything. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. I have a generally positive opinion about a show I just watched that isn't mm -hmm. quite up to what I would have hoped if I went back in time and told my 12-year-old self, like, hey, <laughs> I'm 30 and watching the Halo show finally. <laughs> Lower your expectations. If this, been, uh, if this was the 90s or 2000s, I think this would have been great. Like, we're kind of used to this kind of um, mm-hmm. discrepancy between what you kind of hope for and what you get. Um, but I think we're just in a different world now with The Mandalorian especially, kind of elevating yeah. everything. It's funny. I've been thinking about, like, what I would have told... Like, if 12-year-old me would have, like... 12-year-old me goes back and watches the trailer, I think I would have been less of a dick about it than 30-year-old me. (laughs) We're like, oh, sick, Master Chief just shot an elite. (laughs) And me's like, I don't like the overt focus on interpersonal drama compared to 12-year-old me. Just like, yeah, look at his armor, he's sick. (laughs) You don't think 12-year-old E would have been like, ah, stop with the talking, just get back to the shooting? I would have just rewound and watched. Like I, used to, one of my favorite movies was Attack on the Clone. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I, I still, I would go straight to the second the clones landed on Geonosis. I never <laughs> didn't watch the rest of the movie. That's so. the best way to watch that movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I bring up the fact that like I, I think it looks really good because I think that's usually what people will think of as like the the mm-hmm. big improvement that everyone's going to be expecting. Where uh, the the visuals of it, I thought were great. It's just the. The story, I was originally planning on watching this with my girlfriend, but I ended up not doing it because I just didn't think it would be that interesting to her because I would have had to explain. Yeah, probably not. Like she watched Arcane with me. She watched Star Wars with me. She watched part of The Mandalorian with me. Didn't end up watching Book of Boba Fett with her because it it just didn't seem like it was going that well. And then Halo, (laughs) I had low enough expectations going in there's like okay i'm not gonna see if she wants to watch it and like i enjoyed it one but, of your try out yeah. a series chances with that yeah like you only get so many of those <laughs> yeah. she's got i had to watch bridgerton i'm not gonna make her watch halo for this but all right um so I think that's pretty much it mark do you want to tell the i'll include a little plug for you at the beginning as well but you want to Tell the viewers about your channel and anything exciting you got coming up. Yeah, I'm sure most um, folks have heard of us by, by now, but we're the Templin Institute. We produce documentaries on alternate worlds, including a lot of Halo stuff. In fact, I think we just did three Halo videos just a couple weeks ago. Uh, and if you care about Star Trek, uh, check us out on social media over the next week because I'm heading to Chicago for Star Trek Mission Chicago. Oh, uh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's also living in Star Wars' shadow, so 
I have sympathy for Halo. So at least Star Trek had a few years there. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had primacy in the Before in the nineties. Yeah, it was it was. Good. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, what, what were your recent Halo videos? Um, we did, did one on the Spartan branch, uh, Spartan well, operations. Then we did a yeah. video on how the Spartan operations branch didn't make any sense in the way it's presented, <laughs> uh, which got a lot of funny comments and people confused. And then we did a video on a, a breakdown of the C CCS or CCS uh, battle cruiser for the Covenant. Okay. Yeah. That's like the Star Destroyer, basically, of the Covenant. And the way the Covenant named their ships is actually pretty cool, so I learned some stuff. Right, because it's like one letter that designates whether it's got a glassing beam, right? And yeah, then... uh, if it has an S in the, in, the, in the prefix code, it means it stands for salvation, which is Covenant for we're going to burn you all alive, which I think is kind of cool. <laughs> I did a video on the, the Halo show coming out. Like, I, Sorry, I, I did a break, because I find in, YouTube is an interesting way to gauge you know interest yeah i did a video on every kind of capital ship in the first show like doing a scene by scene breakdown little ones hiding the shadows and shit it's my worst video performing <laughs> video of 2021 or 2022 i was shocked youtube's all over the place right like i did a star wars video that bombed and the next week we did one on wizards this animated ralph bakshi movie from 1977 that blew yeah, it out of the water so uh, i don't know interesting yeah. yeah youtube do be funny like that mm-hmm any any future projects you want to plug? Anything else exciting besides upcoming trip to Chicago? Uh, I mean, man, you want to hint that Chicago trip is going to be pretty rad. We got a boat, I think. I don't, I don't, I've been teasing that. I haven't really announced it yet, but hopefully we'll have to go on a boat for that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but no, Ladies and gentlemen, boat confirmed. Yeah. I mean, after that, we got uh, Star Wars Celebration in terms of convention stuff. Uh, as for other projects, nothing to announce at this time, but we got stuff on okay. the in the dock. I don't know. All right. So you guys can go follow... Mr. Templin on YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook. I think Mr. Templin is actually a Mr. Dress-Up knockoff. You'll have to go to the Templin Institute. (laughs) Is that just Canadian? Is anyone else going to get that? I don't... I always hated Mr. Dress-Up. I thought it sucked. You were more of a Mr. Rogers stan? No, I didn't like any kid shows. Oh, yeah. You were born 40, so... Yeah. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to watch the stock market (laughs) videos. (laughs) What did I watch as a kid? I don't know. Money with Kramer. What's that show called? Anyway, yeah. Mad Money. With Mad Jim Money, Kramer. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to watch? Hey, well, West thank Wing. you for joining us. 11 years old watching The West Wing. I'd be like, ah, oh, yes, this is good. <laughs> uh, sick choice, though. Yeah. We should, we should cover The West Wing one one episode if we're really out of content. When we finally finish The New Jedi Order. West Wing, well, and this is a... I don't, I don't want to drag things on here, but West Wing is kind of what started the Templin Institute for me. Because, like, really? in the West Wing, it's all about how the White House functions, right? And there's mm-hmm. always, like, you know, a thousand people in every scene, like, scurrying around doing all that stuff. Yeah. But then you watch, like, Star Trek, and it's like they're visiting the president of the United Federation of Planets. <laughs> and it's, like, a boardroom with, like, it's one chair and, like, a flag <laughs> in the corner somewhere. And it's just like, what? How is this what the Federation is like? And so, yeah, West Wing is great, and every science fiction should be as good as that. I think Two Cathedrals has got to be, like, Probably one of the best episodes of TV. West yeah. Wing is also my favorite science fiction. <laughs> well, that's why they always call BSG West Wing in space, and it's so accurate because it's all yeah. about like just how these how people do these little things behind the scenes to keep like like all the logistics of and the West Wing is running the White House and Battlestar Galactica is running this fleet away from the Cylons, but they don't try to hide all the logistics side of things, which I love. Yeah, there is an episode of the Clone Wars, I, the worst scene in Star Wars. There's a guy on the moon of Mandalore, and he's like a reconnaissance clone. 
and he, he sees evidence of, I don't know, evil Mandalorians on the moon. So he's like, oh shit. He hops in his spaceship. <laughs> he flies to the president's office on Mandalore. Walks oh, yeah. in and it's like, Mr. President, there's <laughs> evil guys on the moon. And it's like, pick up a cell phone. <laughs> it's like, there's no chain of command or like, there's, there's got no channels for this. There's nobody between. It's not like if a guy in Afghanistan saw a Taliban and then rushed to the Pentagon, you know? <laughs> That's how they found Osama. <laughs> Just have you done a video dude. on that, Mark? I should do a video on it because I hate you that should. scene. You should. The yeah. worst scene in Star Wars history. There you go. Yeah, just Karen landing your C-130 outside the Pentagon. Guy rushes in to find the president. Yeah. God damn it. All right. Yeah. Somehow doesn't get shot in the midst. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you want more of that charm, you can find the Templin Institute very easily. Not many people uh, have associated themselves with a name like that, so it should be no trouble to find. But, uh, For good reason. That's all. That's all from me this time. Also, we didn't forget. Well, we did forget. But we will do a a rating for Vector Prime next episode because we forgot to do that, Corey. Yeah, we didn't force Elkin to do it. It's basically yeah. what that came down to. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, thank you for joining us, Mark. We'll probably cover some more Halo as the season goes on. But mm-hmm. yeah, we'd yeah, love to have you on again if fun. you're if you're interested. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye.